Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this really exciting show. This is Louise Crooks, your Key Clarity Coach and host of KTC Radio. Um, on this lovely day, this lovely spring day, it's the 13th of April, uh, 2009, and um, it's a special day as well. It's my um, husband and my anniversary today, seven years uh, married, so exciting day for that as well. Um, so I invite you all to celebrate and create some great energy around that. Um, I really want to uh, welcome our guest this evening. I'm very excited to, to have him here. Um, and he has some interesting um, experiences and uh, um, life experiences and some wisdom to share with us tonight. So I'm really um, looking forward to having a conversation with him. His name is Greg Moores. And uh, welcome, Greg. It's great to be here, Louise. Wonderful. So, Greg, I'm just going to um, introduce uh, you to everyone, just give them a little understanding of your background um, so that we know uh, where you're coming from. And um, so just to let everyone know out there, um, Greg has a background in engineering quantum physics. He created a successful artificial intelligence company and then at the age of 26, he left it all behind to become a monk for eight years. He has spent more than 15,000 hours in silent meditation, studying the lives of heroes throughout history, and creating a program that would, will introduce you to your hero living in your chest. His clients in, include Olympic gold medalists, Academy and Emmy Award winners, and billionaires. Um, he's been quite involved with um, the seminars that I've been involved with, with Peak Potentials, and um, um, I really just want to welcome him, uh, Greg Moores. He's from, from Los Angeles, California, and he's the founder of Heart Virtues. So again, welcome, Greg. It is great to be here. And, uh, you know, if your viewers, if your listeners are, are like me, then they've got a constantly haunting question, which is, there's got to be more to life than and that's why I became is to answer that question, and that's what I'd like to really address on the call. I think, um, Greg, it would be useful if you could just repeat that because you you um, you broke up there a little bit. Uh, the you know the question that was haunting me that made me kind of led me to become a monk was a question I think a lot of people struggle with, which is there's got to be more to life than this. And so, you know, I think we all wrestle with that. That's why I became a monk is because I knew there was more to life than this. And uh, so I wanted to study the lives of people that actually live that more meaningful life, which, as you pointed out, are the people that are called heroes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so amazing that you went through the experience that you did, Greg. And I'd love you to go into a little bit more about your story and how you came to the understanding of heart virtue and, and, and how you went through that uh, process, um, you know, when you were when you were a monk and, and how you got there. Can you say a little bit more about that, Greg? Certainly. Um, you know, I was, I was putting my life together the way I had heard, you know, from so many of the people that I admired, successful people in the world and people that seemed like they accomplished a lot. And I created a life that was incredibly successful. I had all the toys. I started an artificial intelligence company, which I had worked very hard to, uh, to get the skills together and then learn about how to run a business. And I had accumulated all these toys. Um, you know, I have a degree in quantum physics or electrical engineering, studied energy, magnetism, field theory. And, and then I went out and I created this company. And I couldn't work in corporate America because there was just too much compromise too much compromise of morals and ethics and virtues, and I've always had a drive for those topics. And then when I had all the, had all the toys accumulated, I, just, I, was, I, had all, I had life the way so many people say, this is what you want. You know, and there's bizarre statistics, like 95% of, uh, of people that win the lottery are, are less happy than before they won the lottery. And I started really looking at this, and I was like, all right, why aren't I more fulfilled? Because I've, I've, I've accomplished those things that I thought everyone was telling me would make me fulfilled. And the fact is I was empty and lonely, and I felt worthless. So I ended up giving pretty much all the material stuff away, and the more I gave away, the better I felt. 
And I simplified my life to where I eventually just ended up in a monastery. And I was, you know, meditating five to six hours a day. And I had a personal project while I was there, studying the lives of people that are heroes. And that's really what Heart Virtues is about, is when I studied the lives of these people that are heroes, I discovered that every single hero throughout history had one virtue that was driving them in their lives. And I believe that what life is really all about is discovering that virtue and living in alignment with it. Very nice. So what, what got you onto that, um, Greg? You know, what, what was the epiphany for you that you suddenly discovered that there was this, you know, these people that you could study? Um, was there a turning point for you that got you to that place? Well, the first turning point was in college. When I studied quantum physics, there was this thing called the observer effect. And mm -hmm. the observer effect basically says that you can't look at something without actually changing it. That everything we look at, we actually have an impact on. And I was like, wow. I mean, like, you know, that's something Superman would have liked to have had, you know, those kind of powers. And, yeah. and so I realized that it's a paradox, though. We don't change things because we want to change things. We change things when we observe them and stop trying to change things. And so the entire universe is much like a person. It wants to be heard. And so this haunted me. And that was the first turning point. I was like, okay, wait a minute. There's something about observing people, observing things that makes them change. And the second turning point was when I noticed that there are certain masters of mm -hmm. this, this observation, like Gandhi. Look at what Gandhi did. Yeah. He didn't use force, and yet yeah. he affected enormous change just by seeing the world differently. And that's I was right. like, that's something I want to tap into. Yeah, fantastic. So, so was that about just have, you know, having a different perspective on life? Well, having, yeah, and it's interesting, that perspective that really seems to work is, has enormous responsibility behind it. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it. If the observer effect is true, then I'm not just an object in my environment. I'm actually creating my environment on right. some level. And I'm completely responsible for it. I mean, you know, here's one guy named Gandhi, and we have others, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Abraham Lincoln, who basically had one truth that they held to with such confidence that literally the universe shifted before they did. So instead of them changing their mind, the entire world around them changed its mind. And now they live in a different world. The world we live in is a very different world because Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Yeah. That's a science I wanted to know about. And it is amazing, isn't it? Because, I mean, these people had, um, you know, had a, a, such a, a, an amazing impact on the world and in a very peaceful way, a lot of these people. Um, so to be able to identify what it was that um, allowed them to do that um, and change their environment um, through the perspective of their thinking is very powerful. Yes, and, and here's what will blow your mind, is they didn't change the environment because they, they had an, a new reality in mind, so to speak. What they were was they were totally clear about who they were going to be had nothing to do with the outside world. They said, this is who I am. This is what's true for me. And then they listened for opportunities in the outside world. And this is what will absolutely blow your mind, is that you can have a much greater impact on someone. And I'll bet everyone on this line has had that experience where someone listened to you. And just because you were heard, you had a breakthrough in your life. You were like, oh, my God, look at what's meaningful to me. Look at what's important. Well, Gandhi did that to the entire British Empire. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. He just it's, said, look, you guys, you guys are going to embarrass yourselves and how you're going to show up. You're going to eventually see the wisdom of leaving India because yeah. he was so clear about where he stood and he lived so immaculately. And this is, this is what led me to, you know, to really create the heart virtues work. And it was, it was a delight to stumble on the fact that every one of those heroes had one single virtue. And every, of the, yeah. every one of the listeners on your line has one single virtue that's driving them in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So, Greg, it's, I'm curious because um, do you think these, these individuals that you studied, um, well, you, could, you would probably know from your studies, you know, that um, they had a virtue that they understood from a very early age, you know, that they had this enlight you know, enlightenment in terms of, you know, what their purpose was from a very young age. Um, 
because they seem so dedicated and, and really living their life only with that purpose in mind. I think that you see the tendencies are very obvious when you look back from an early age. But, you know, early on in life, we don't have a lot of conscious faculty. We're very present, but we don't really introspect a whole lot. We don't really, you know, understand ourselves much. I don't think it happens till mostly for these people until they were in their midlife. And then you see enough of a pattern, you go, oh, my God, like Martin Luther King was committed to brotherhood. But that didn't, that's probably not something he was, you know, talking about. He, he was acting on it when he was a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a five-year-old. But he probably didn't see the pattern. And, in fact, we're trained not to see patterns of what's meaningful to us in things like school. Because if you knew what was really meaningful to you, like Martin Luther King knew that brotherhood was meaningful to him, you would have mm-hmm. challenged your teachers and the system and you would have been labeled a real, a real heretic. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, so, actually, because I was listening to a, um, a show where um, Michael Bernard Beckwith was uh, talking about this very thing, and, and he was asked the question of what would he tell himself if he was five years old, and what would he tell his five-year-old self? And it was, you know, to, to um, uh, not, not to um, listen to the, the people who, who didn't believe in what he believed at that age, you know? Um, so it's really interesting because, you know, obviously society has a, a huge effect on the way that we we form our, our ideas and opinions and, and uh, thoughts um, as we grow into adulthood. And often we're very connected to what we what is important to us at a very young age. It's just that we don't necessarily um, get, it doesn't become channeled in that way as we grow up because of the expectations around us, which is it's kind of interesting. Well, and it's interesting to notice you mentioned expectations. You know, children have anticipation. And I don't think there's a greater master on the planet than a two-year-old. I mean, let's face it. We had life mastered at two years of age. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and then we go through this process of sort of being dismantled. We're supposed to fit in and go along to get along. And, you know, it's all about looking good and instead of being authentic, which is what a two-year-old is brilliant at. And then as we be – we get older, we become jaded, and then we develop expectations. And now we're a grumpy adult. You know, it's kind of like I'm not getting what I want and what I know. Two-year-olds don't know anything. They just got their raw, passionate desire. They're just out there living life. So yeah. I would agree with Michael Beckwith. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I actually had lunch with Michael once, and I asked him the same question I asked you, which is, uh, what do you most want for the world? And mm-hmm. your answer was spiritual authenticity. And his answer was he wanted everyone to know that there is no lack. There is unlimited abundance, and we can have anything we want if we, if we just ask for it. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's a fellow talk about courageous and heroic and authenticity. I mean, if you've heard his story, he tells it he with amazing. openness. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think his power, you know, it's not that he lived – a, a virtuous life his whole life. He talks about how he was a drug addict, but that yeah. authenticity is more meaningful to us than if he was born moral and ethic and saintly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, I think uh, through our own experiences and suffering, we become uh, more um, uh, masters in, in terms of, of being able to communicate our experiences and, and um, our learning. Um, to the people that we, you, you know, want to, to share that learning with. Um, you know, coming from a place of not um, having the understanding or experience doesn't mean a whole lot if you're, if you're talking about something that uh, you haven't been through yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's one of the things I do for a living is I work in the rehab center. And oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because I have a lot of addiction on my father's side of my family, and if right. I stand up in front of those guys... And, you know, that are working, in, that are living, that are, that are enrolled in a rehab center. And I say to them, you know, here's how you ought to live your life. They're looking at me going like, well, well what have you been through? Now, when I mention that my dad died drunk in a car accident when, when I was nine years old, I have yeah. immediate credentials. Yeah. I have experienced the pain. And I'll never forget, there was one day, Louise, when a guy walked up to me after one year in the rehab center. And I had done his heart virtue a year before, and we trained him. And you talk about communication. The first step of these people that were heroes was that they knew their heart virtue. They knew themselves. 
The second step was they communicated powerfully and beautifully what their heart virtue was. And the third step was they made a huge contribution to humanity. And this guy who I had worked with, we identified his heart virtue and we trained him to communicate it powerfully and beautifully. And then I didn't see him for a year. He had, he was, you know, he was uh, graduated from the program and he went, said he's going home to his family and his kids. A year later, he showed up at the rehab center and I watched him walking. He was doing a straight beeline straight toward me from across mm-hmm. this large lawn. It's a beautiful uh, rehab center in Malibu. And he walked straight up to me. He had his son in his hand and he had his daughter in his arms. And he, he leaned down to his son and he said, I want to introduce you to the man that saved daddy's life. Oh, wow. In that moment, my father's death became totally worthwhile. It was as if, it was as if you know, that kid's going to grow up with a father. And I know the pain of not having a father. And so my pain becomes my contribution. And that's true for every one of your listeners. You know, every one of yeah. your listeners has, has a pain that is the source of their contribution. If they were beaten, then they have a, they have a credential that I don't have yeah. that they yeah. can use to heal people. Yeah. So this is something, uh, um, Greg, that a lot of people out there who might be listening would be thinking, you know, what does he mean by the idea of, of, of a contribution through, you know, an experience like that, well, you know, that, that experience would would be horrific in some people's eyes, and wouldn't they wouldn't be able to see, you know, what um, you could take from that. So, what, can you expand expand a little bit more on that? Well, let me ask a question: Who has greater credentials? If you were told that you had cancer, and I said you can talk to one of two people: you can talk to a, an oncologist, a doctor that has studied cancer. He knows more about your particular the cancer then anyone else will tell you what your chances of survival are, what caused your cancer, and what the treatments are. Or I'll let you talk to a woman that has had the same cancer that you have worse than you have it, and there is no trace of it in her body. Who would you rather talk to? Well, someone who's, who's, who's had cancer and has no trace of it. <laughs> right. In fact, the field theory that I studied in quantum physics actually proves that just by being in her presence, her field will actually start to heal you. You'll be wow. speaking to someone that has been through your experience, and her, her I don't know how it works, we, we're not sure, but we literally see people's entire attitude, their mindset, their field shifts immediately when you're talking to someone that's been through something worse than you. Yeah. And they're looking at you square in the eyes and saying, I've been through this and I can show you how to get through it. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean when I say your pain is your credential. That woman's cancer is her credential, and she's got a greater credential to heal people with cancer than I do. Yeah. She'll do yeah. I can stand up and talk about heart virtues and be a rah-rah coach and the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. and the fact is mm-hmm. still, she just says there is no trace of it in my body, and I'll, and I'll answer any question you have, and you'll start to heal right there on the spot. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's what, interesting because that makes me think also, Greg, of um, – for some reason, the um, homeopathy just jumped into my head because, you know, a lot of the the um, the um, what would the word be um, the thing, you know, the the treatments that they use are not even don't even have um, an, an an ounce of the um, the herb or the plant or whatever it is in the in that um, uh, treatment anymore. It's more the the, the vibration or the um, the energy that's been created through that um, that is used in their treatments now, which I find fascinating. And and it really speaks to what you're talking about, just in terms of not just the the credibility that someone has through going through um, the the pain that they have or the experience that they've had, but also the energy that they're communicating from that experience to another. Um, and the impact that that has. Right. And that's a brilliant, oh, absolutely. It's a brilliant observation. In fact, you're tying two things together. Because mm-hmm. remember when we were talking about how listening and, and being receptive and interested in someone is far more meaningful to them than if you show up powerfully and, you know, this observer effect? Well, mm, yeah. if you think about it, what homeopathy is, is you take something and you distill it down. You take like, you know, a, a disease like, uh, you know, a cold, a common cold, and you distill it down so much so there's no detectable particle of the common cold, but you still have the essence of it distilled down. And you give someone that homeopathic medicine, and because there's that slight presence, it's only a presence. Yeah. It's not even detectable. 
the body immediately starts taking that that message and it starts it's just the immune system is just boosted enormously and yeah. and keep in mind we call it the observer effect so you know i believe one of the most powerful forces on the planet is listening is actually yeah. being curious and interested you know einstein used this homeopathic effect when he was said well you know einstein how is it you've managed to be so brilliant and solve such problems he says i have no special skills but i am yeah. passionately curious so it's the absence it's well, there's it's a bizarre paradox there's like i have this tendency but I'm more interested in how people around me are experiencing it than being the force of nature in it. Yeah. And so each one of the listeners on, on your line, there's, you know, if, we're, if there's a sense of curiosity for you about, okay, what is the pain that you've been through that you feel no one should have to go through this? There are mm -hmm. listeners on the line that have been sexually abused, that have been beaten, that have been abandoned. If you've experienced something like that, and for some of you it's not even that kind of abuse. Maybe you just had asthma as a child or you, yeah. um, you, know, you had a, a broken bones when you were a kid and, you, and you've been through that pain. You could actually have an enormous healing impact on anyone that's going through that experience now. And yeah. I believe from studying the, peop the lives of those people that were heroes, that, that every one of the listeners on the line has that potential to have an enormous healing effect, and the only thing it requires is courage. It's just yeah. the willingness to own that I have credentials. Until we own that they're credentials, we're going to blame them and say they were wrong and hope to go to a therapist and mm. release our, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, what this came from, Louise, is my belief. You know, I, I made a decision when I was a monk that everything that exists belongs, that everything on the planet that exists belongs. Now, if I can't figure out how, how something fits in, I'm not going to label it bad and say it shouldn't be on the planet. I'm going to turn my creativity up and see if I can figure out, using my ingenuity, how does this fit in to strengthen the character of humanity? How does this thing fit in to make people more virtuous and invite them to be more heroic? And when you look yeah. at the world that way, you see that if we're going to have a whole bunch of, a whole army of adults that are able to heal the children that are going to be born in the future of things like child abuse and, and abandonment, those adults are going to have to have been through that experience. Right. So everyone on this line has been prepared to make a huge contribution to humanity. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you talk about spiritual authenticity, I believe that owning, when you finally get courageous enough to say to yourself, you know what, I'm no longer going to be the victim of the bad things that happened to me. I'm going to figure out how those things are actually part of a beautiful plan for me to make a greater contribution than if those things hadn't happened to me at all. That's authenticity. Yeah. Definitely. I just, I, I'm, I'm just posting in the chat room here as well, Greg, that I, you know, as we're talking, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking also about my own, um, you know, what I'm committed to. And, um, you know, I, what really comes to mind for me is, um, and, I, and I really would love to do that assessment that you have just to get clear on, on my heart virtue, but part of that is the authenticity, spiritual authenticity, and also... Um, the, the true value of forgiveness, um, which I think comes with all healing, um, emotional and physical. And that has come through my own experience um, with my, my mother. And um, how, you know, I think it actually made me ill, um, the, 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 the pain that I had, you know, the hanging on to, the, um, the, the, the resentment and bitterness, um, uh, you know, through the relationship that I had with her, the, the the victim stance of what had been done to me, and now I'm so clear on the gift that that gave me, um, and the compassion I now have for her as as the person that she was in that moment, um, and it, it 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 truly allows me to speak to the whole idea around forgiveness, and um, it's just a really powerful. Um, topic for me so it, it really just kind of draws me back to that to that Greg so I just wanted to to um, to mention that yeah but, and um, it, so it, it mm -hmm. makes an enormous amount of sense 
you, you shifted from resisting what had happened yes. to you to embracing it. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 think, and that embracing and then the acceptance, you know, that um, the, I suppose it would be a combination of embracing and acceptance and then looking beyond that and saying, Okay, so so what have I what have I actually been given as a as a blessing from this, as a gift from this that I can put forward into the world? Well, certainly compassion for people that have experienced the same. Yeah, totally. And and then you know, I mean, you look at the kind of horrid things that people like the Dalai Lama have been through, and yeah. yet those are his credentials to be compassionate to almost anyone that he meets on this planet. I mean, he watched his parents murdered right in front of him. And, yeah, and, he, he, and he's managed to forgive. So, yeah. you know, he's, when he, when he, talk about a master of forgiveness. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's interesting, the word forgiveness, actually, because I've, I've studied uh, a lot of the virtues and their roots, the word forgiveness means to give as before. Oh. In other words, if we truly forgive something, then we have no trace mm. of that thing as if, it, as if it was before it ever even happened. And this, again, is part of that homeopathic formula, right? Yeah. We take, we, we carry the essence. We still have the experience and the fact that we went through it. But if we can forgive, we, can, we are giving as before it ever happened. In other words, there's no real resistance or trace or, or trauma of the experience. We've yeah. managed somehow to turn that into a credential. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, Greg, I just want to... Um uh, um, connect with some of the people that are calling in on the um, on the switchboard. Um, are you ready to take some questions? Absolutely, my favorite part. And then I, wonderful. And then I'd like us to to really get hone in onto into the idea of what the heart virtue is. Just get really clear for our our listeners around that. Um, so you know we we've been talking about it in more sort of general terms at this up to this point, and and uh, so I think it would be nice to. Just get really clear on, on um, you know, how people can get an understanding of what that is for them. So okay. let's just see if we've got someone that uh, um, has a question for us. Just bear with me a sec. Hi, area code eight three one. Welcome. You're you're on the line with Louise Crooks and Greg Moores. Do you have a question? Um. Uh, yes. Hi. Um. Thank you for taking my call. I was listening in, but I do have a question. Something Wait, I've been struggling with. Um, my name is Christina, and Hi, I want to thank your your guest as well because it's been really insightful. A lot of the things he's saying makes a lot of sense. With me, um, I suffered everything he talked about. <laughs> Mine was all of the above. And I actually had to remove myself from my biological family because they still take no... Uh, they don't want to recognize anything that they've done. They would rather say that I'm crazy and never took place while they continue to hurt people. And it was so it's so negative for me that in order to function, I had to remove myself and put myself first and my own happiness. And mm-hmm. it, it's really an unfortunate situation. But I want I forget I'm working on forgiving, but I don't want her in my life. What would you say to yes. someone who, because she's not remorseful and she's continuing to hurt people so I don't mm-hmm. see how I could ever have her in my life unless she changed yeah so well, that's mine's a really extreme case do you have anything you'd like to offer yeah, I'm sure. just struggling I'm actually, with this yeah, yeah I, I'm totally and I'm going to actually take this to, uh, to an extreme example um, you've heard of Terry Hatcher right yeah that, sound, that name sounds really familiar to me. Okay. She's on Desperate Housewives. Uh, the, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, thank Susan. you. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> she's, a famous, she's a famous actress, and she was sexually abused by her uncle when she was 13 years old. And uh, she basically kept it a secret. She didn't tell anyone. And then years later, she read a newspaper article that said that a little girl that was 11 years old had committed suicide because she was sexually abused, and the abuser was her uncle. And she, oh, decided, she decided to take her uncle to court decades later while she was a famous actress. And so she did. And he ended up going to jail just based on what happened to Terry 
for, for a long, long time. Now, the reason she did that was she realized that, that if she had done something earlier, sooner, she might have saved that little girl's life. Mm. So here's an extreme example of what happens when we aren't heroic about what's going on with us and the fact that you may have been given a calling, just like Martin Luther King was given a mm -hmm. calling that brotherhood was something he was not going to tolerate seeing it violated. And Mother yeah. Teresa was not going to tolerate seeing compassion violated. So mm -hmm. here's what I want to present to you, and I'm not saying, you know, go to the police with what happened to you. What I am saying is become the master of your heart virtue. Find the thing that was violated that's so infuriating for you and you, you will not tolerate seeing that thing violated. And learn to stand by it so that no matter where you are, whether you're with your family or not, you can stand like Gandhi where instead of you feeling like you have to run away because they're not fessing up to it, you can stand in it so much and so proudly with such confidence that they are challenged to come clean. I'm this hearing is a, this you. Is, this <laughs> is a series of skills. It's a, it's a set of skills that we are not trained to do in school because you're trained to, like you said, go along to get along, and you must be crazy. I mean, when you hear the words crazy, start thinking heroes because every hero throughout history, was they were thought, they're, look, Gandhi, you've got to be nuts. How are you going to liberate yeah. India? You have no army. Martin Luther King, are you crazy? Are you crazy? White people and black people can't be equal. Are you nuts? Mother Teresa, mm -hmm. you Catholic nun, what are you doing? Are you nuts? You're going to go to India. They don't care about Catholicism. They're Hindus. So that makes so much sense, Greg. And, and yes, it does. I have small place. children, too, that I have to protect. I don't ever, ever, ever want them to know the pain of what I went through. And I actually have a brother who was homeless could never combine the realities of the past and the present um, and what could have been and ended up dying and a sister who tried committing suicide several times over it, even though she put herself through school, got a 3.997 at Purdue University in psychology. Um, you know, I, I, my stand was I'm removing myself and my children. Um, I refuse to be a victim. I'm going to be happy, and then I just pray for her, and I pray for her own spiritual growth, and, and maybe she'll realize what she's done. And um, but it's still it's it's still very hard. And I'm thinking of working. I work with kids as well, so if I ever, I mean, I've had to call CPS a few times on kids who were horribly abused that I discovered, and it felt really good to stand up for them, but. Um, I hear what you're saying, and it's just a daily thing for me. I'm hoping to work past this because she's only yeah. been out of my life for four years, and uh, the first year was a literal death for me. Um, right. And, you know, I'm much better now. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, I, I can't try to figure her out. I think that's what is so painful because, you know, a mother's supposed to love your ch you know, child with everything that you are and not – do the things that was done to me. So thank you so much for your words. And it's, uh, it rings a lot of truth. Yes? I'm sorry. I, I really want to um, acknowledge you for the courage that you've had, you know, to, to step away from that relationship and, and just um, preserve your own um, safety and, um, you know, to be able to move away from that. And I want to reassure you that, Forgiveness isn't really, it isn't about condoning the behavior. What it is is about letting go of holding on to the pain that yes. has created yes. for you. I and wrote a letter and I, in the letter I wrote, I said, I forgive you for what you've done to me, but I don't condone it. And I refuse to carry the pain around any longer. And I'm releasing the pain and you in the process. And I just pray for her own spiritual. I, didn't, I mean, I had to do that for myself at the funeral. Um, yeah, I just had an envelope and I handed it to her and I just walked away because there's really nothing else to say. And I didn't want to make her feel bad. And she probably, I'm hoping that she does, you know, by the death mm -hmm. of her son, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I, want, I, I prayed a lot about what I wanted to say. And just yeah. that I was praying for her and her own yeah. being awareness and trying to look at things in her 
eyes at her age and that time and then separating myself and moving forward. I ran a daycare for several years and I told all the children that came through my door that they could be anything that they wanted to be. I was there for them, and it's very, very, very rewarding. You're already living your heart virtue, it sounds like. (laughs) I'm just, this is so emotional for me. I'm like, wow. So thank you so much for letting me listen in. This is so powerful, and um, I saw your show this morning and wrote the number down to make sure I could be sure to listen. Can I I mute my phone? Sorry? Thank you. Can I mute my phone and still listen in? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I'll mute you, so you'll be able to listen in without any worries with noise. Oh, the thank but I just you. I to add, Christina, before you go, you know, to keep working on this, you know, it's like peeling an onion, you know, in terms of nurturing ourselves and, and healing from these experiences. And just because we feel like we've dealt with them um, is perhaps in one way doesn't mean that they won't come back and bite us, uh, you know, in the, in the backside when we're, when we're not looking. So just keep keep um, uh, working on, on this piece of forgiveness, just look at um, one thing I want you to look at is, um, you know, what are you hanging on to by her understanding what it is that she's done? Because it sounds like there's a, there's a, there's a piece in there that's stopping you from letting go completely. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, it, and it's and meaning it's, to step back and stop looking at her and trying to figure out her and why she doesn't have empathy because it's holding mm-hmm. me back. You're yes, so you're right. Hang, hang, <laughs> I can hear that you're hanging on to that piece. So I'm just, yeah. just going to leave, leave you with that. And, uh, and um, I thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, too. You have a blessed day. Bless you Bye. both. Bye-bye. And, Bye-bye. And, Louise, what wow. a brilliant example of what you were just talking to where, you, you know, you, you were saying, you know, can you give us an example of how a credential can can be made from the pain? And she's exactly living that. And I just I, – I noticed, you know – I really love that she's that she's released. You don't te- detect any bitterness in her voice, and yet mm. you can hear, like you said in her conversation, there's still something there. And I would yeah. say, Christine, you you may want. I want to I want to just give you something that might require an enormous amount of courage. And you're, you, some of the listeners on the line may think I'm crazy, but what would it be like? What would it take for you to be able to approach your mother and ask her what was it like for her in childhood? Yes. Because this is what's unexplored. We know that what she's doing yeah. to her children is wrong, and we've got judgments about it, and that's, that's, there's no question about that. What I'm wondering about is what, is what was the pain that her mother went through that yeah. she has been unable to turn into a credential and instead has been doing some pretty dark stuff? Yeah, and in fact, that's an interesting point you make there as well, Greg, because Christina has become more of the observer and, and stepping out of that um, unconscious um, uh, state of, of being that her mother has not been able to do. Um, exactly. Her mother has tar- carried on the way that she probably was treated in her childhood, um, whereas Christina has been able to take that step back and say, I have a choice around how I'm going to be. And then I believe until we've actually transmuted our pain into a credential, we will act it out on other people. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool, uh, Greg. So let, let's talk a little bit about the, um, the, the meaning of heart virtue. Let's get really clear about that, Greg. Okay, well, heart virtues are, uh, I discovered them when I was studying the lives of these people that are heroes. Mm, yeah. And specifically discovered that each one of those heroes throughout history had a single virtue that was driving them in their lives. Mother um, Mother Teresa was compassion, Martin Luther King was brotherhood, Abraham Lincoln was unity, uh, Gandhi was peaceful liberation. And then I started looking around and said, oh my God, maybe everyone on this planet has one unique heart virtue. Maybe people aren't arguing because of beliefs or because of behaviors. Maybe people are arguing because there's a single virtue that's aching for expression in their lives. And I believe that we don't have a heart virtue, rather it has us. So we're being lived by our heart virtue. The moments when we're, you know, having a beautiful experience of goosebumps, our heart yeah. virtue is being fulfilled. And moments when, when we're enraged, when, you know, everyone on this line I'm sure has had moments when they're enraged. Well, think about it. You wouldn't be enraged if you weren't committed to something 
that wasn't being violated. In other words, every time a human being is enraged, they're committed to something beautiful that's being violated. Now, so, in front so this of, is a in question, the, Greg, that I, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I just want to ask you, because it sounds like from what we've been talking about up to now, that it's really been more about um, learning through um, suffering and learning through, um, you know, something that you feel enraged about. Is there a way that we could access our heart virtue in another way? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, but we, well, I want to just, uh, let's address that issue for a second mm-hmm. because it seems like, you know, kind of a negative thing. You know, when I was a monk, it's like, you know, we're being martyrs and we're living this grueling lifestyle. Uh, you know, the purpose of life is to evolve, to become better at being what we are. And I define becoming better at being what you are as being more authentically yourself. So, you know, there's no arguing that the, the purpose of life, for everyone on the line, if anyone ever asks you what's the purpose of life, the hand-down answer that we can prove scientifically is the purpose of life is evolution. Everything's right. evolving. Trees are becoming better at being trees. Lizards are becoming better lizards. And your job in your life is to be the best you you can be, authentically yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're really going to make a human being strong in character, then we're going to experience resistance. And if the human being is up to the task, they will rise to the occasion each time some challenge is presented to them, and they'll become more virtuous, more ethical, more moral in character. So while we're talking about things like rage and things like, you know, pain and and these types of things, the beauty of these experiences is they present an opportunity for a human being to rise above all that. And the only creature that can really do that is a human being. You know, it's just like we have this ability to, to embody a virtue. Now, I say the only human being that has the ability to do that is I'm saying consciously. There are, there's entire species of animals that have virtues literally built into them. Like, for example, the dog is loyalty, and the owl is wisdom, and the bird is freedom, and the horse is liberation, and the lion is leadership. But as a human being, we have this free choice where we can actually take a look at a situation. And instead of acting on animal instinct, we can actually tap into a spiritual instinct and say, you know what, I'm going to risk my life for a cause. And and we see these things happening in the case of a, a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King. So the beauty of virtues, if you think about it, is that what if every one of your viewers, and, and even right now as we're on the phone, you and I are having this conversation because there's some virtue at the core yeah. aching for expression and wanting to express itself. And so, you know, the heart virtues, in my estimation, and, you know, the testimonials we have from our clients, is just that it gives them a core of confidence and clarity. That it's like, oh, my God, when you know your heart virtue, it's like, oh, my God, that's why this relationship fell apart. That's why this yeah. other relationship has been so rewarding and fulfilling. And yeah. so when I talk about things like pain and rage, it's, it's, for me, those are just aspects of life, just like experiencing the goosebumps, experiencing yeah. moments of inspiration or, or a, a moment of appreciation. Those moments are where a virtue is being fulfilled. But, you know, people don't struggle with appreciation and inspiration. People struggle with pain and anger and things like that. So I'm always looking at how can these virtues have a huge mm-hmm. impact as far as being used as a tool for the viewers. So yeah. did, I, did I answer, Louise? Did you? I think so, yeah, I think so. And um, I just want to mention that um, our friend Keith Leon um, mentioned his uh, heart virtue. I think he must have done your assessment. Um, Greg, and he said that his is connection, acknowledgement, and compassion. That's what he's committed to. Isn't that cool? Oh, yeah. You know, and and virtues run anywhere from appreciation and acceptance. You've mentioned spiritual authenticity, which runs, if we go to your website, Louise, Mm -hmm. we see that that's like, that's your your thing, is this essence Mm -hmm. of authenticity. And my heart virtue, by the way, is spiritual integrity. And it's why I do what I do is to see people living in alignment with their spiritual purpose, which is that what that heart virtue is. Yeah, beautiful. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on our show, in my show, Greg, because, 
you know, we met at Masters of Influence at Peaks, where you did a, a wonderful speaking um, engagement. And um, I really could connect with um, the passion that you had around that. And um, I was very curious as well as to, you know, the combination you had of your background, which was the quantum physicist um, and then going into to becoming a monk. And, um, you know, the combination of that, which is just the worlds are so far apart, you know, um, I just the the the, the beauty of, of that coming together and, and producing what it has um, from that experience is just truly amazing. Um, and your book, um, and I think this is what I love so much about this, Greg, is that you you bring so much clarity with your your um, your explanation and, and methodology um, in your book. And I really want to encourage our re, uh, our listeners out there to to purchase the book because it really is very um, enlightening. It's called Learn Our Heart Virtue to Be Who We Are. And um, our guest is Greg Moores, and it's spelled M-O-O-E-R-S. Um, and you can find his book on Amazon. Um, but it's just really um, interesting. And what what really um, uh, stood out for me was um, the idea of the tribal comfort zone. And I, I would love you to talk a little bit more about that. But before we go there, um, Greg, let, let's um, take another caller and then we'll we'll dive into that. How how does that sound? Sounds great. Wonderful. Hi, area code three one zero. Hello. Hi, area code three one zero. Welcome. Who am I speaking to? Well, sounds like they're in the background there. Hmm. They're probably just listening. Let's try someone else. Guys, got to remember to unmute yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Be talking over, you know. Just to let everyone know out there, if you are um, calling into the show, if you can just press one so that I can see that you have a question that you'd like to ask, a little hand comes up on my switchboard screen, and I really encourage you to call in. I think we've spoken to some of the people already that are on the um, on the switchboard, so. Let's dive into that question I was asking you, um, Greg, which is about the tribal comfort zone, because I think um, our listeners would be very curious to hear a little bit more about what that means. Well, basically, the first few years of, of life are about survival. If you think about it, we are an infant when we're born, and we really don't know. There's no way for us to survive. We're completely helpless. <clears throat> so... The tribe, which is what raises us, and there's, there's two main tribes that have the hugest influence on us. Number one is family, and number two is school. So we're born into a tribe called family. And the first 10 years of life are for the tribe to train us to survive. Now, what would be beautiful is if the tribe would shift into training us how to thrive at around age 10. But that's not what happens. We go from being learning how to survive physically, which we're pretty good at at age 10, you know, crossing the street, we look both ways, and, and we know how to pretty much get from point A to point B, you know, assessing danger pretty well. <clears throat> but then they, we're thrown into a whole other level of survival, social survival. And then we get out of school, and it's all about financial survival. So we tend to live in a paradigm of survival where we just feel like we're survivors all the time. And that's the influence of the tribe. Now, when I studied the lives of these people that are heroes, what was uniquely different about them was they basically said, I am not going to, to live by the tribal agreements anymore. I'm going to live in alignment with what's most meaningful to me. And what we end up with, of course, is a virtue. When we look at what's most meaningful to people, you know, we all have core values. But most people aren't willing to die for their values. But they are willing to die for their virtues. So when we see people make the shift from living from the outside in, which is where I had accumulated all the toys and a company and everything, I was living my, mm-hmm. on the outside in. I was thinking when I get the outside world arranged, I'll finally know what fulfillment is. And, and the fact is I wasn't living from the inside out. And until a human being masters living from the inside out, which means yeah. I don't live in alignment, my life is not lived as, as somebody else's plan for my life. I'm living my plan for my life. I'm living in alignment with what's most meaningful to me, not what's in alignment with what's most meaningful to other people. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there, Greg. 
Yeah. Well, we all have. Yeah. And, yeah. and here's, the beauty, here's the beauty of it, Louise. It requires us to be heroic. You know, if you yeah. go and you can't go join a group of heroes to become heroic. The only yeah. way to go through that hero's journey and to earn the credentials is, is basically to, to, you know, come up against our dragons and using nothing but relying on ourselves and our own personal confidence and saying, this is what's meaningful to me. And being willing to stumble and bumble until we discover that one thing that's most meaningful. And this is what we train people to do in our workshops, is we literally keep throwing them into situations where they get to say, okay, what's most meaningful to me, this or this? Mm. Through knowing your heart virtue and then through experiencing it, you know, at first you get your heart virtue through the online assessment or through one of our sessions with one of our coaches, and you're like, oh, my God, this is great. Now, we take you through an inside-out process, but until you've experienced yourself living in alignment with your heart virtue, it's not an inside-out process for you. Right. So the tribe is there just like weights in a gym that strengthen your muscles if you go work out every day. Your tribe is there to, for you to practice strengthening your character. Right? And doesn't yeah. a family do that? Doesn't a family provide incredible opportunity for us to strengthen our character? Yes. Sometimes Knowing they don't help, help though. <laughs> Sometimes they don't help. <laughs> well, they do. When you, when, you know, when, you, when you're influenced by their um, unconscious behavior um, and, and grow up with values that aren't necessarily your own and having that opportunity to to um, recognize what is most important to you rather than to the people around you. Well, okay, now, Louise, let me ask a question. Which mm. would make human beings stronger in character? If they were born into a family that showed them what was meaningful to them and showed them how to live in alignment with it, or to be born into a family that resists what's most meaningful to you, keeps telling you you have to fit in and go along to get along, but you stand by what's most meaningful to you, and by the time you're 20 years old, you know you're living in alignment with who you are, so you no longer people wrong. Now, which is going to strengthen character more, to have our tribe give us that positive influence or to discover it from within and stand by it? It's going to be discovering it from within. So the tribe is doing a beautiful job at providing resistance. Right. <laughs> you yeah, beautiful the way you turn that around. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, only, the only reason, the only reason we would, you know, oh, I want my, uh, my family, you know, look, everybody has complaints about their parents because yeah. when we're a kid, we do not have the skills of taking a stand by what most means the most to us. But when we're an yeah. adult, that pain of being a child and not being able to stand by what's most meaningful to me is our motivation and our inspiration to say, damn it, I am not going to live from the outside in anymore. I'm not going to fit in anymore. I don't care if I've got to stumble and bumble through life. I'm going to start living life in alignment with what's most meaningful to me, and I'm not going to live somebody else's plan for my life anymore. Mm. And when you finally make that choice and decision, finding your heart virtue is a great place to start. Yeah, wonderful. And, and on that note, Greg, I would love for you to um, uh, just uh, mention to our listeners, you know, if they want to do your online assessment or investigate your workshops, um, uh, can you tell them a little bit more about how to do that? If you want to find out how to get your heart virtue, and this is what we recommend, is you can go to heartvirtue.com. And uh, because of Louise's, Louise actually said to me, you know, have you got a special deal for our listeners? <laughs> so because you... Louise, um, if you go through the Heart Virtue Assessment, it's normally $49, but if you put in the code DISCOUNT20 with no spaces, um, when you check out on the shopping cart, there's a promo code there, and you put in DISCOUNT20, you'll get a $20 discount on the assessment. And um, so you'll be able to take it for $29. And uh, it's, a, it's really a beautiful process. It's, it's driven by videos walks you through the process, and uh, at the end of it, we'll email you your heart virtue and show you how to use it. Wonderful. Thanks for that. I really appreciate, Greg, your putting that out there to, the, to our listeners. And it's interesting because uh, my friend Susie from Wisdom Wide Open on, on the, in the chat room said, uh, families are dysfunctional to help us become functional. <laughs> 
And I was thinking, yes, we don't really need to worry about screwing up our kids because, um, I mean, we're going to screw them up anyway. It's just really, um, you know, it's how how they interpret things themselves and, and, uh, um, you know, what they're going to take from it as time goes by and and create their own heart virtue through their experiences, whatever they are. Well, and hey, look, if, even if you don't screw up your kids, someone in school or someone some, will. <laughs> some, yeah, someone's going to give them, you know, it's like, look, you don't want to have some, if, if you raised your child with nothing but love and kindness and protected them from all fears and dangers, they'd be some spiritual cream puff. They'd be creamed the first day of school because school <laughs> is brutal, isn't it? Yes, it is. Definitely. It's the, the, you know, the, the making fun of people and cutting them apart, you know, and you could say, God, you know, I want my kid to go to a private school. Where they don't say, oh, All right. Or you, you show them how they go to school and stand by what's most meaningful to them and reaffirm yeah. as long as they're a good person that let people say what they want. And these are painful lessons we all learned in childhood. I remember how incredibly painful it was uh, being bullied, being made fun of. And, and yet what it taught me was I am not going to let them – that's fine. They can, they can, you know, make me sad. They can pick on me, but they're not going to get my peace. You know, and it's something Gandhi said. It's like, you know, you can beat me, you can kill me, and you'll have my dead body, but you won't have my obedience. Yeah. And this is where our obedience, our highest obedience, is to what's most meaningful to us. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's about living from our own values and not from others, which is really, really fantastic. And, yeah. you know, when, when we get to that turning point in our lives, you know, to start recognizing that we have a choice around how we live our lives, it becomes very powerful in our own journey and, and, uh, and um, spiritual and personal growth. Very exciting. Well, and, you know, we talk about heart virtues, but, you know, when you talk about living that life, you know, authentically, the one common denominator for everyone is courage, is being courageous. And it's fascinating to note that the word courage comes from two words. Cour in French means heart, and age, of course, represents time. So courage means a time for the heart. And this is really a lot to do with why we call it a heart virtue is because it is a virtue that literally lives in your heart. And in the book, we, we explain how you literally have a second nervous system which is in your heart that's driving and, and it's living in alignment with virtues where your head is this other organ that just wants to survive and be reasonable. So, you know, the, yeah. the, that transition of coming from the head to the heart is, uh, is not a reasonable or, or, uh, or even a sane process, but it is incredibly meaningful and fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Greg, just before we finish, I just want to remind our our listeners that um, my group coaching program for spiritualpreneurs or soul-driven business owners um, is starting in May. And um, I really want to encourage, if you want to focus on on kick-starting your business or or creating a a reawakening in your business and really getting focused over a 90-day period, um, that uh, that will be starting on the 20th of May. I have room for um, eight people in this group, so it's going to be very limited, so that you really get some value um, in the in the coaching process, and um, uh, we'll get a chance to mastermind with each other as well. And before we finish, um, uh, by the way, if you want to inquire about that and uh, apply for one of those spots, please um, email me on Louise at keystoclarity.com. I really would uh, love to hear from you, and we can chat about it. And then lastly, before we finish, Greg, I, I really would love for you to just give um, a parting comment that you would really love for our listeners to, to leave with, um, you know, something that really is important and resonates to you. Yeah, you know, here's, here's my message to you. And this was something that actually, um, you know, something my grandfather told me is, you know, I, mm-hmm. he was really great at investing in stocks. And I was always calling my grandfather and saying, hey, Gramps, you got a good tip. And he would say, yeah, he goes, I got a tip for you. He says, your best investment is in yourself and your own education. And so for the people online, you know, we're, we're in an, an economic, you know, craziness here. And when the market's down and, and real estate's down, your best investment is in your own education. So sign up for Coaching with Louise. Come take your heart virtue assessment. And, uh, and my, uh, I'll just close with my favorite quote. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And I like to sw- t- put a little twist on that. 
Be the change you want to see in the room. Wherever you go, ask yourself, what's the virtue that I want to be experiencing? And then just learn to be the master of inviting everyone in the room to be that, to experience that virtue. You're going to love your life. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful um, uh, uh, hour with you. And, um, Greg, it was, a, it was truly an honor to have you with us um, this evening and uh, to, to hear all the wisdom um, around the um, understanding of heart virtue. And I really hope that the people who are listening uh, really go out and buy your book straight away because it was such an epiphany for me reading that book and, and listening to you speak. So if you get an opportunity to, um, to hear Greg speak or, or to interact with him in some way, check him out on his uh, website at heartvirtue.com or um, lifecamp.com. And... Um, you know, I, I encourage you to interact with him in some way because the, the, the wisdom you'll get will be um, truly uh, worthwhile. So thank you so much, Greg. My pleasure. It was wonderful just, to have you. And just one point of clarity, the heartvirtue.com is the assessment website and lifecamp.com is where you can buy the book or find out more about our programs. Ah, you, wonderful. Thank you, Louise. You're, you're an amazing uh, host. Uh, love the thank space you. that you created and and how you handled the, the questions. You got some great listeners on the line. So appreciate the privilege. Right. It's, it's always, as you know, a privilege to have an impact on other people's lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. Good night, everyone. Night.